People, three quick things you can do to support me and support the Value Economics Podcast. Number one, subscribe to the Value Economics Podcast. Number two, leave a five-star rating if we deserve it. Number three, if we deserve it further, leave a review. Something nice, something mean, whatever you value. I don't care. Let's get into the show. Everybody's got to Value Economics Podcast. Six million ways to die. Choose one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Value Economics Podcast. My name is Sam LaCrosse. Can you dig it? I can. And I especially can because Jamel Fonzo Holmes is in the digital building. Jamel, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing well. Can't complain. I'm blessed. Dallas has been doing me right. So can't complain about anything over here, brother. I was about to say, man, we're going to get into that in a little bit. So you've been up there for what? Like, I would say, what, four or five months now, I would think at this point? Yeah, I say about three to four months. Three or four months. Okay. Yeah. And a it, lot happening. <laughs> I was going to say, man, you're like, you've been in there, you fit like a glove. I mean, like, especially because a lot of the guys that we both know up there, that culture has been going on for, you know, quite a long time at this point, like over two years, they've kind of been getting to know each other and fostering all that. But you just kind of went in very seamlessly. You went very open and, you know, a lot of the guys really kind of took to you right away. And so you've been in the ecosystem for a while, but I know whenever you move to a physically new place, it's also very, very different. So I mean, kudos to you, man. That's not very easy to do among any spectrum of people, but particularly the guys we hang out with. So that's awesome, man. I'm really glad to see you kind of making your way up there first and foremost. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah. And if it wasn't for the brotherhood, you know, the transition would have been rough. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to the standard, man. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I love it. So um, Jamel, you and I know each other a little bit, but I, I wouldn't say we know each other all, all that well in terms of just, you know, backgrounds and everything like that. So if you wouldn't mind, like, just tell me a little bit about the man standing before me today, digitally, of course, who is like, who is Jamel Fonzo Holmes? Give us a little bit of big of a story about your upbringing, how you were raised, like kind of the stuff. I know, I know New York, I know a lot of those things like that. We'll get to that in a second too, but just give me a little bit of a, a, a background if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. Jamel Fonzo Holmes, you know, a marital consultant, also, you know, digital content creator. Um, my day-to-day profession, I am a front office coordinator for Life Stands Health. That is a mental health practice. So, uh, yeah, so I'm right now, I'm trying to get into full-time content creating now, but I'm not there yet. But that's one of my goals for 2024 and also 2025. But I've been rocking and rolling with this. I started about 10, I dropped my first video 10 months ago. So it's been it's been doing well. I stopped for a little bit. And um once I got to Dallas, that's when I was able to, you know, to really start to ramp it up. You know, my content has been growing, my page has been growing. And um, as far as my background, I'm from Queens, New York. Uh I come from a city of <laughs> you know, a lot of people have, you know, different opinions about New York, but I come yeah. from a city, yeah. a city of survival. You know, a city of yeah. survival. Everyone is about business, everyone is, you know, it's a very individualized city so that's basically you know my background and uh you know grew up you know the reason why i do what i do as a marital consultant is because i'm a product of a broken home so that's one of the big reasons why i do what i do and i try to help couples stay together and i try to focus strictly on couples but i'm a product of a broken home and what i've seen what it's done to me and also you know my peers around me you know if I could prevent a kid from growing up in a broken home, you know, I feel like my purpose is being fulfilled. So 
me being a marital consultant and a content creator helping couples out, you know, that just speaks on what I do. Cause it was rough growing up, you know, to a single mom. So if I can prevent that, then, you know, I'm being fulfilled in what I do. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And it's very, I think it's very brave work from a lot of perspectives because you do have some trauma there, including, and, you know, we'll get to that. I, I would imagine a little bit more later with your mother and everything like that. But I mean, you do, like it's it's not easy to kind of go back into a place where you feel, and I think it's very interesting because we often find our purpose in a very deep trauma that we had earlier on in our lives, whether it's you with kind of your family situation growing up or me with certain things or everyone else in our friend group with certain things. It's like we have to often go back there quite a bit in order to really find where we belong and where we th- kind of see where we you know can help other people because I right. think a lot of the world now is trying, like we live in a very, very broken world. And that's that's a religious concept. It's a cultural concept. It's a lot of other things. And there's a lot of brokenness surrounding everybody else. So I think it's really right. important that even though it might be hard for you sometimes when you see a kid going through a rough time or you see a family or a marriage going through a rough time, that you're there for those people. And you can really kind of find a space to help them. And maybe, like you said, kind of prevent something that would kind of accentuate the brokenness even more. I don't know if that made any sense, but that's kind of what I see from a lot of guys and you yourself, especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you said, it does. It absolutely makes sense. And you notice like most people, you know, who are passionate about what they do, it comes from somewhere. It definitely comes from somewhere. And sometimes, you know, it is trauma. And definitely in in my case, you know, it's definitely, you know, some trauma that I've had from growing up. And I didn't even realize this trauma until I became an adult. And some kids don't see it until they're adults and see how, you know, not having, you know, those things as a uh, as a youngster, how it affects them is, you know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah you, def- you definitely did make some sense on that. Yeah. I'll tell you. Yeah, I was going to say, well, th- well, thanks, man. I-, I appreciate it. And I think that there's a lot of things where it's just it's it's funny how, like, you know, your environment just shapes how so much of you is. And a lot of it is genetic, but a lot of it is around you, too. And I think. I did want to ask you about New York because I find New York fascinating. And so, you know, you already, you already mentioned that you're, I didn't know you're from Queens. So you already mentioned you were from Queens. And so I, um, I've been to New York several times throughout my life. The last, I haven't been, I need to go back. Um, cause I do, I love to visit the city. I think, I, I don't think I could live in the city. I don't think I could do what you and your mom did and you and your friends did when you were growing up. I think it's just kind of, I'm from Ohio. I'm from the Midwest. So I'm kind of used to like green spaces and openness and space and everything but like you know new york is like so antithetical to that like even when i was in boston for a year it would that even that was a bit too much for me and that's not even i think close to what really the layout of new york is and everything surrounding it so you a lot has been made of like you know growing up in new york you see a lot of people relegated from like you know someone like andrew schultz and then biggie smalls and jay-z and like a lot of mike tyson a lot of other people from a lot of different backgrounds who do a lot of different things so what i always like to ask people that are from the city because I I still view it as really the cultural hub of America in a lot of ways. Like America, if America was known for one thing, it would probably be something like New York City. At least I would think it would be. <laughs> and so um, you know, so I, I think a lot of I I'm very fascinated by the people who grew up there because there's so many different things going on. So what I want to ask and what I like to ask a lot of people who grew up in New York is really what does New York mean and represent to you? And what, where do you, like, how do you keep it with you? Even like, since you've been from Dallas, like what does, what did growing up in that kind of a city, that kind of environment mean to you? Because I know it's a lot of people have a lot of different feelings about it. Like you said, when you bring up New York and everything like that, but like, what does that mean to you specifically? To be honest? Yeah. Like, like we just had mentioned, you know, everyone is going to have their different opinions, but to me, it's like, especially where I come from, 
It's like you just got to figure out ways how to survive. Um, it, it, there is a lot of good cultural things, you know, uh, when it comes to, you know, tourism and like the food and the, the just the culture, you know, the, there is good things about New York business. Business is great in New York. You know, there's good things and there's bad things everywhere. But specifically where I come from is just about, you know, surviving. You know, it's about your next meal. It's about, you know, uh, just trying to make something out of your life. You know, just trying not to, you know, end up like the people around you. So um, New York for me, just if I could just sum it up in one word, is a whole bunch of people just trying to survive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that's and I, I don't think that's a very like that's a very, I think, fair description of what that city is in a lot of ways. I think that's kind of like because. It's not only like, you know, I would say street culture, which you just referenced is one thing kind of growing up in that type of environment, but it's also, you know, I'm, you know, I'm being in the corporate space and knowing I, I was a finance major in college and that's, you know, the financial hub of the world, obviously in a lot of ways, Wall Street and everything going on there. And you have people that are just kind of like, if they're not, you know, in the streets doing whatever, they're in the boardroom, they're in this, and they're kind of looking to step on over and crawl over everybody and stuff. And it, it seems like all yeah, right. And it's and it's almost like um, I don't know if this would this would be a fair assertion of it, but it's like a very apparent scarcity mentality almost where it's not like, you know, hey, there's enough, especially in a place like New York, which is, I think, in a lot of ways, in some places, obviously extra opulent and they have a lot of resources and things like that. Like, hey, man, like you like we can all eat here. No one's going to starve. if We help each other out a little bit. But I think that just it's funny how some places engender that far better than other places. And I think that from New York, I think that's actually a very, very accurate description, if I could say so myself. Yeah, and I was just saying that too. You're, you're absolutely right. It's just, it's like that that scarcity mentality is like, you know you can share, but you don't want to share because you don't want them to be better than you. You don't want them to rise above you. But it's just like, if you really think about it, it's like we could all eat together. But New Yorkers don't really have that we can eat together mentality. It's just like, I got to get what's mine. And what's mine is mine. If anyone tries to take it, then I have to get even more competitive. So yeah, uh, well, I was you're on the south now, man. So I mean, we got more than enough that to go on now. So I mean, we got a lot of good stuff going on down here. So it, down here, I love it down here, bro. I'm telling yeah. you. It's well, well how, how, is it is it that different? Like since you've been down here, for in those three to four months, can you can you just like kind of feel or sense like the difference? I don't know if culturally is the right word, but just kind of the environment. Can you feel that different from where you were before? Absolutely. And okay. the standard do with it, but even not in when I'm not in the standard, you know, just everywhere I go, just the, the hospitality is just totally different. Uh -huh. You know, communities are together, you know, there's churches everywhere. There's people together, you know, you go to Walmart or Target, wherever you go, you see families and, you know, people protect each other. They protect their own, you know, Texas is whatever people think about Texas. I think is a, is a state where it's a community state where people look out for each other. Communities look out for each other. You know, people in churches, they're, they're in the mosque, you know, uh -huh. it's, it's, it's a community vibe out here. You know, everyone is more, it's more togetherness instead of individual, I'd say. And, you know, and even if people don't like you, at least they're like, uh, they're respectful enough to greet you when they see you the, the, yeah. you're not that in new york the, yeah. there is no mentality. <laughs> yeah 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 i was about to say that i think that's probably a very very accurate description too so pivoting back more from not from necessarily from where you're from but to kind of who you're from in a lot of ways so a little bit more um 
like, tell me about your mom, man. Like, tell me about your relationship with, with your family in general, kind of like just that environment you were raised and how that you, you know, you mentioned that you came from kind of a broken family structure, but you did mention your mom. So if you want to stick there, if you want to go wherever you can go, wherever you're comfortable, but I, yeah. I'm always very curious and very fascinated about like origin stories and everything else. So like, how has that really shaped the person that, you know, you eventually are today right now? Yeah. Um, if it wasn't for my mom, like, cause I grew up in a very, like a very, very, um, how can I say, I grew up in a very, uh, I'm not going to say masculine environment. Cause I wouldn't even say masculine, a very aggressive environment. So okay. if it wasn't my mother, I would have probably had a totally dif different personality. So my mother was the one, I'm not going to say, even I grew up in a rough neighborhood. I was loved when I got home, you yeah. know, a lot, of, a lot of kids who grow up, you know, in these rough neighborhoods, when they get home, they're not loved. My mom loved me. <laughs> my mom, mm -hmm. the feminine woman you would ever meet, you know, diehards, you know, she's a sweetheart, you know, um, never said no to anyone, always smiling, you know, the most feminine. It's just, it's just unfortunate that we grew up poor, but mm -hmm. she was married. <laughs> she was married. And I just think that if she would have just, you know, uh, chose right, chose right. I'm not trying to disrespect my father. Or anything. No, 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 no. My mom would have just chose a little bit better. You know, we would have been in a little a little bit of a better uh, space financially. We wouldn't have to have grown up the way we grew up. But if it wasn't for my mom, I wouldn't have this personality of being a guy who loves everyone, being a guy who's, you know, accepting of everyone, being a guy who wants to help everyone. Because I am a marital consultant, but I'm also a life coach. So even yeah. if you don't have problems within your relationship... I'm still willing to help people, you know, come up with a game plan to just fix their life, whether it's with finances, you know, fitness or spirituality or just overall their own personality. So if it wasn't for my mom, I wouldn't have that level of empathy for people. Yeah. You know, you know, I wouldn't, you know, it, it would just be what my environment dictated because my mom raised me. So if my mom didn't raise me, you know, it would have been the environment that would have raised me. You know, my environment made me, it gave me that balance. My environment gave me, you know, my assertiveness, my ability to be ambitious and, you know, uh, climb and do things, you know, believe in myself and give me that confidence. But it was my mom that gave me that level, that gave me that balance. You understand? You know, this, I say there's the balance between, you know, this passive and then it's aggressive. I would say I'm right in the middle. Mm -hmm. And my mother, I would just be extremely aggressive. Yeah. So, I got yes. You. So my mom, yeah, go sweetheart. ahead. She was a sweetheart. No, dude, she sounds awesome, man. And I think that that's kind of like, and and I think that's something that a lot of people like that. There's always a masculine and a feminine presence. I think when you're growing up, regardless of where that comes from, I think even if you do grow up in a single family household with either with either your mom or your dad outside of it, like people are going to get it from somewhere, whether it's movies or television or your neighbors or the school system or whatever has you. And so. You know, it, and and it is good because I think a lot of people, it would have been easy, I think, for your mom to succumb to kind of like that scarcity mentality we talked about earlier and say like, you know, no, Jamel, like I can't, I can't do this right now. I have to kind of focus on this or whatever. And she could have been that way and kind of taken an easier route and said like, I just can't deal with this right now. But she went out of her way to show you that affection and that love in that way. And I think that's, that's a really powerful example. And I'm sure that, and you just said as much yourself. And so- that's really, really awesome that she was able to just kind of put her own needs to the side and really be selfless for the thing that she really loved, which it seems that it's clearly you in that sense. That's really, really cool. 
Right, right, right. And and the reason and the big reason why I do what I do is because I looked at some of my peers, some of my friends and kids growing up today, some kids they didn't have that. You know, when they get home, you know, they some kids got, you know, super masculine mom where mm -hmm. they they're getting that love. So and then you wonder why some boys grow up, you know, hyperly aggressive is because their mom is aggressive, you know, the dad is not there and their environment is aggressive. So that's all they know. Yeah. So yeah. So just having that, you know, that love at home, you know, it, it went, it went a long way. Mm -hmm. that's it. Yeah, no, I, I feel it, man. I feel it. I think that's really, really cool. And so you said overall, just the, we've talked a little bit about kind of like, you know, the cultural environment of New York, but I always like to ask a little bit of questions about some outside role models outside of your, your family. So it sounds like your mom was probably your biggest role model in a lot of ways, or at least one of your biggest role models in a lot of ways of either how to treat people or how to you know, build a home or build a life or something like that. But in terms of like, culturally, like, you know, did you have any heroes? Who did you look up to in a sense? And and I, what I really want to get down to is really, what were some traits and characteristics that you found admirable about people in the culture, whether it was like movies or sports or, or you know, music or whatever it was, or, or business, whoever one you want to call it, that you found admirable that you wanted to really emulate when you got to a space where you could emulate those people? Yeah, to be honest with you, Sam, uh, that's a question, you know, I ask myself all the time. Um, what, what I would say is, you know, because there's people you, you know, you do idolize growing up and stuff, but then you realize when you get older, you know, some of these people are not really good people when the camera is not on. Yeah. You know, off yeah. camera. I would say if there's someone that I, you know, looked up to, that that, that question is very hard to, you know, answer because I could name people, but I don't know who they are personally. Mm -hmm. So, and I based on like reviews and stuff, I'd say Chadwick Bozeman. Yeah. You know, for, That's great. Yeah, I've, I've never heard a bad story about him, about him, you know, being a tyrant behind the scenes and stuff or yelling at anyone or just, you know, just overall good dude. You know, I felt like he went too early. But, you know, you heard nothing but good stories about him, about how, how hard he works. You know, he had all the characteristics of a man who worked hard. He took his craft seriously and he also treated people well. So I think if there's one man, uh, you know, that inspired me, it's probably him. And he didn't give up when he when he didn't get movie roles and stuff like that. And he was small time and he, he stayed humbled when he was, you know, uh, in a position where he was the small dog and the big dog was trying to bully him. He stayed humbled. And yeah, when yeah. he became the big dog, you know, he didn't say, ha, look at me now. It wasn't like that. It was, it mm -hmm. was still cool. And that just shows, you know, the type of person he was. He was like, yeah, number you didn't do this to me before, but it's completely fine. I still love you. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, that shows character that shows, you know, growth yeah. and all the hill from, you know, adversity and when things don't go your way. So, I say Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, I think that's actually a very, very real. I don't think anyone's ever given me the one I asked that question before, but I think it's such a good answer because I think the one you never know about, I think that's actually a very, the first part of your answer I really love because I think that's a very mature answer. Like, I think that means that you kind of showed a lot of things where you said that there are people that people look up to growing athletes, rappers, music, like, like whatever, whatever you want to call it. And then they realize and they look and say like, like, ooh, like maybe I probably shouldn't be shouldn't be looking at that guy the way I was looking at the guy. But but I think right. the the really interesting thing about about Chadwick and I think the interesting thing because Chadwick was uh, he was one of two favorite Avengers that I had in the Marvel movies. I love Black Panther and I love Captain America. 
And I love mm. that for those guys was because in the characters, even in the movie, they were good people. Like they were kind of this egomaniacal sort of thing. Like, like I thought, you know, Black Panther in the movies was an actually good person. And I thought Captain America was an actually good guy inside of the movies too. And so, right. you know, I, I think you can tell a lot about an actor by the types of roles that they play. And I think what Chadwick did a really good job at, and I agree that he he went too soon. It was very unfortunate when he passed. But what Chadwick did a really, really good job at was that he fit roles that really allowed people to look up to him and not feel what you felt or feel bad. Like he played people like Jackie Robinson and Black Panther and, and all these other people that are obviously very courageous, moral bound, uh, you know, driven uh, admirable people in a lot of ways. And I think that's right. very, very hard because when you have all these movie roles and you can have, you can sell out to play like, uh, you know, like a corrupt cop or a politician or a bad guy or something like that. Like he never, uh, like kind of what you said earlier, maybe in a different way, like he never stooped to a level where he just took a check to kind of make money off of a movie and compromising his character as a man, which I think is really, really important too. Yep, yep, absolutely. And even I think there was I forgot the name of the movie. There was one movie where he was actually a cop. And uh I Oh yeah, I, think I, I don't I don't remember what the name of the movie, but I remember the movie what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Something or 21, I'm I'm not really sure, but uh -huh. um he was a cop. He, you know, he was supposed to be busting dudes, but once he found out that his own guys wasn't doing, you know, the right thing, you know, he said something. Because you know, uh sometimes yeah. cops have you know mentality, you know. You don't, you know, cover your own and stuff. But he was just like, nah, man, this is right. And that just shows, you know, the type of guy that he is. You know, yeah. even in role, he was just like, if it's not morally, morally right, then yep. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I want to pivot into something. I, I had, um this episode hasn't come out yet, but I had Abdi on a couple of weeks ago. And I've been dying to ask him, ask him these questions as well. And so Abdi and I have known each other for a long time and I like Abdi quite a bit. And I think he's, he's a great friend. He's a really good guy. And I really, really enjoy very smart, intelligent, deep. I always enjoy talking to him. And so I wanted to ask him and I hadn't really had a, a chance to ask him about his faith directly because you and I are both men of faith, but we have different faiths. So you are a Muslim, I'm a Christian. And so I, I want to kind of ask about how you came to your faith like what is the thing that drew you to islam that made you uh you know want to follow that particular branch of faith and so and also on top of that what does being a muslim mean to you like what does your faith mean to you in that sense because i'm always curious to kind of get an insight into those different type of things with people you know first thing i would say is you know i believe you know that i am a man of integrity and i'm a man you know who stands on stands on his boundaries and I stand on what, what I believe in. And also, I'm a man who believes in community. Mm -hmm. So when you look at religion, I would say, I'm, I'm not trying to bash any other religion. but No, no, please. I, Just, like, yeah, you're fine. I feel like Islam is the only religion that stands on its boundaries. And mm -hmm. they actually enforce the boundaries. Now, I'm I'm not with those other guys who's doing all yeah, that right. other stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. You know they're serious about what they believe in and my thing is just like i'm serious about the the type of god that i am and also what i believe in so my thing is it was it was a no-brainer for me i could have went the, went the uh, christianity route but i just feel i just feel like the, the structure is just different in islam you know and and it's something it's not going to change for me it's not going to change for anyone you know the, the quran is going to change you know the structure the way we pray that's not going to change for anyone. And I felt like that's what 
that's what drew me to it. It's, mm-hmm. it's not going to crack on its boundaries. It's not going to crack anything. You know, there's some things that, you know, that has been done before I became Muslim that I might have not agreed with. I don't know if it was like a Muslim thing because, you know, you know, this this bad, this good and this bad everywhere all over the world. Yeah. But I'd say like for the community that I'm in, when it comes to Islam and being out here in Dallas, I feel like we're just men and women of integrity, you know, families of integrity. And we can see what's going on in the outside world and say, no, that's not for us. That's not how we want to raise our families. And that's just not how we're going to do things. We're not going to switch up, you know, our words. We're not going to switch up our integrity. We're not going to switch our book. And that that was just something that was for me. And that's something that I wanted to be a part of. Yeah, I, I love that, dude. And I think that there's, and there is a lot of misunderstanding. And, and I think that there just is so many, like, this is such a, especially now with all like the crazy stuff going on in the world, like the last thing we need to do, I think is kind of just add more kind of, you know, destructive dialogue and conversation to everything. And I think that there, like you said, there doesn't need to be any more bashing of everything else. And so, you know, I completely agree with that sentiment totally. And the one thing I I did want to ask before I say we move on to more of our community aspect inside of the standard is that we, you know, particularly with standard guys and everything else, most of the guys inside of, and this is something I asked Avi too, and I was really fascinated by his answer. So we run in a lot of similar circles, but most of the guys in the standard are some brand of Christianity as well, whether it be you know Catholic, Christian, non-denomination, whatever you want to call it. So like, does that, when those type of conversations come up, do you, like, how do you feel when that happens? Do you feel like you're able to participate? Do you feel kind of excluded? Do you feel out of the loop? And, and this is something, honestly, that like I felt bad about when I've had a conversation with Abdi and Abdi's a nice guy. And he said like, no, you're not going anything wrong. But like when it does go down like a theological route, it's it's yeah. sometimes hard to kind of loop everyone in to make like a holistic conversation about something. So what, what has that experience been like for you? I'm really curious about that. Yeah. The, the good thing about me is uh, I'm a revert. Like I, I became Muslim in October. I wasn't Muslim my entire life. Oh, yeah. okay. Cool. Yeah. So like me, like I'm receptive to all conversations, you know, uh, and one thing you, uh, which, is, which is cool about Islam and I would have, was cool about being Muslim. I would have never been Muslim if they're not accepting of all conversations. So, you know, Christianity is actually in the Quran. You know, Jesus is yeah. in the Quran. No, it all of this stuff. It's it's all basically like the same thing. I would say the only difference is is uh, Muslims believe in one God, and everything else is basically still the same. You know, besides praying five times a day and not eating the pork and stuff. So the same stories you would hear in Christianity, they they're all in the Quran also. Yeah. So when when these conversations come about, you know, I'm a part of them because <laughs> mm-hmm. I I like to learn myself. You know, whether I believe in it or not, like this, it's not for me to, you know, judge anyone or, you know, think any, you know, difference of anyone. So if I can learn something and just hearing it or just being a part of the conversation, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I, I love yeah. it, man. I love it. Yeah, I think Chris, to me. <laughs> no, I was going to say, man, and, and I didn't think it was. And I think it's just kind of really I just find other cultures and other belief systems very, very fascinating in terms of how they either shape people or how they kind of, you know, or how they view the world really, because I want to know kind of where a lot of this stuff comes from and either whether it's from a religious context, a home context, a cultural context, whatever that might be. I always find that stuff really interesting. And I think one, uh, one thing this really comes down to in a lot of ways is that we've mentioned it a couple of times now, um, you know, you've been, you've been in the standard for a good amount of time now, and you've obviously been really immersed inside of the Dallas community with you know, our friends up there. And I, I've gone up there, you know, quite a bit ever since I've joined, I was one of the earliest members as you were. 
And so, you know, I want to just like, this was a move not only for you that was so impactful that it uprooted, you uprooted your life and then moved to Dallas to be more of a part of it. So it's been that impactful for you, which I find really, really cool and really awesome. And so I want to kind of get your origin about really, how did you hear about the standard? And then what compelled you to like, because like we said earlier, like New York to Dallas is a very, very seismic change in a lot of ways. So what compelled you to make that after you joined it? And how did you come to know the standard in the first place? Um, I found out because I watched the roommates all the time. Yeah, okay. the room, like, yeah. it, it was podcast I watched. It was definitely the roommates. You know, I, I give you uh, my top podcast. Uh, it was the roommates, Bigger Pockets. Um, he didn't have a podcast, but I watched a lot of uh-huh. his stuff. The Fallen of Year. I watched the, the, those was my top three if mm-hmm. I did watch any content. So I watched the roommates all the time. Um, if I was on YouTube, I was always looking for the content and stuff. And when I found out about the standard, the thing was, I didn't know it was a Discord community. I just thought it was just suits. So I would have oh, joined okay. it earlier. <laughs> I would have joined it earlier because at the time I was, you know, I was ready to level up. I was trying to get out of my environment. You know, I needed people around me who worked just as hard as me. Mm-hmm. Found out about it, you know, through the roommates. It was, and there was an episode he was doing, uh, Hafiz was doing with Joe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was, and, and that's when they started to talk about the actual Discord community. And he was, <laughs> and I remember he mentioned, he was like, yo, it's $400 now. Just imagine how much it's going to be <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> like, three yeah. years later. So yeah. I'm like, all right, Discord going on now. Let me join this thing now before it, like the price go up and everything. So, like, that's what made me join it. But I would have joined it earlier. I just didn't know it was a Discord community. I just yeah, you didn't it was... know how in- intentional it was beyond just the suit part. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So yep. once I found out it was a Discord community and everything, and I, I seen everything all, you know, they started doing more content with the guys and stuff, guys like yourself and mm-hmm. everyone else. You know, that's when I was just like, all right, I got to get a part of this. If I don't, I'm going to miss out. Yeah, I, I was going to say, man, I think that it's just been – I think I say this all the time too, and I think I might've mentioned this to Afiz once or twice, but I don't really know if even Joe and Afiz and they came up with the idea knew exactly what they were creating. And it's evolved into something so interesting and so elaborate in terms of like this really kind of digital community and real life community of people that are all over the place that are coming from all different parts and walks of life and everything. And it's been so interesting from the beginning to watch it all flourish because I remember the week after, I don't know if I, I've told this story, I think maybe on here before once or twice, but I met Hafiz at the Austin Jordan Peterson event in January of 2023, I think. Yeah, 2023 or 2022, actually, when I, when I was, when I met him. And so that was, I think, you know, the first thing, the first really, I would say insight in terms of where I got inside of the standard and I met Hafiz there and he was very, very nice and very accommodating and all those things. And then it just kind of, evolved into all of this you know all of this sort of stuff so it's been it's been super cool man and i'm super glad that you're down here now so you know i, I saw you you know interview our mutual friend quentin super and have him on your channel and everything like that and so have have all my guys down here ready to go so yeah that's definitely my guy right there man he he, he works in like what that's one thing another thing that made me you know join a group is because you know you got to have guys that's just like you around you know, having a, like no no disrespect to anyone that that was in my life previously, but mm-hmm. it's tough. And like I think in that episode uh, with Feast and Joe, they was talking about the oval thing. You know, you don't have a circle, you have an oval, and I was just like, man, it they 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 got gems, man. So it's just like <laughs> you, gotta, 
guys like you and Quentin and all the other guys, it's like it just it's like a breath of fresh air to have guys that's finally around you that works just as hard as you and understands your mindset of growth. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, man, Quentin, my God, even you too, man. Like I see how hard you work, bro, man. You you've been out here working, bro. I be seeing you, bro. You've been killing it. <laughs> your book went crazy. Conference too. <laughs> hey, man, I, I like, and I wrote it like the thing about toxic maturity too is that like. I don't think people like, obviously there's the blurbs of the front of people like, you know, Dre and Francis and Kyle and everybody else that I can think of off the top of my head. If he's and Joe, obviously and the people right now, but like, you know, you guys have really informed so much of my perspective from that book, because I don't know if I, I told, I've told this in the podcast. So I outlined the book before I went to the Miami experience back in July of 2022. And so I, I, I outlined yeah. the book before then, but Really, as I was writing the book, I started actually writing the book the day after I got back from Miami. And so mm. when I started to really do all of those things there, I kind of had this new ecosystem and perspective of so many different people to inform the rest of the writing of the book, which was just un unbelievably valuable in so many different ways. And so, you know, I, I wrote the book in, in essence for you guys, not that you would need all the advice inside of it, because, you know, people like yourself, you clearly don't, you have a lot figured out on your own, but you know, I made it because I wanted to thank you guys as almost like a living testimony to kind of the value that you guys have had on my life as you kind of articulated earlier. And so, you know, that book does not exist without learning as much as I have from all of you guys. So, I mean, you know, I think we all, either whether it's with with my stuff or with your content or with anybody else's, with Quentin's books, whatever you want to call it, it all is this ecosystem-like feel of everyone else around you, which I think is super, super interesting and super cool. Yeah, that that's love, man. That's love. And like I'd say one thing I'll say about that is, you know, from that experience, and I'm glad that we're able, even though I wasn't there, like I'm glad that we're able to even give you that. Cause you said you already had like some of it down pack already. And then so yeah, uh, I I had the so I'm a, yeah, I'm a big outliner with my book. So I outlined basically the whole thing from back to cover. I hadn't written a single word yet. But oh, I, okay. I had it all outlined, but I remember I would, because I, after really that experience and a couple other things, I remember I would call guys all the time. Like I remember, I'll never forget. I had a conversation with, with a shout out to Francis Emilogu. So I, I had a conversation with Francis. I called him in the middle of the day and asked him if he wanted to blurb it. And I said, you know, like, Hey, um, you know, I, I have this, you know, whole idea about, you know, inner, like we'll get into this maybe later, like men's internet content about like red pill stuff. And Francis is all very knowledgeable about that. And I, I would just started drilling him with questions about this and this and that. And he gave me great answers and it informed my perspective going into all of this. I had in, um, in Phoenix for the Phoenix experience, I had just a really enlightening conversation with, with Andre about shout out to Andre LaFleur with Andre about, um, about dads and about male role models and about where he grew up and everything like that. And that really, inform my perspective and i told him my idea and he gave me feedback and we kind of bounced things off of one another so like that like that stuff i mean people kind of can you know say that that's oh that's nothing that's this but like it, it's it's not like it, it means a lot from a lot of people yeah yeah it's everything man and like and that's one of the best parts about it is you know and and that's the best part about a community is sometimes you may think that you know you know being by yourself it's cool. It's great. You know, you're, you're going to be, we're all great on our own, but when we bring the team in, imagine how much more greater we can be. You understand all the perspectives that we can yeah. get. Maybe there might be something you might've missed, or you might've had to go back into the book and put in there. It was your brothers that did that. It was your, your community. And that's what 
overall made it a great book. You understand? Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. Shout out to the guys and shout out to you for actually putting the work. It's because I, I still can't figure out the time to write my own book. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, man, we'll, we'll, we'll get you there. You got a lot of gems we'll, and we'll get you there. I promise. So uh, I, maybe to get back to more of like, I want to kind of get into more highlighting kind of what you do in a lot of ways. So you said you started getting your interest in relationships because you wanted to solve the issue of broken homes in a lot of places. And you wanted to kind of make more couples stay together, which I think is a incredibly, you know, admirable mission in a lot of ways so really you kind of started there in a lot of ways where you kind of said that i want to solve this issue and, and this problem so maybe i would say how did you come to the place where you say not not only do i see this as a problem but i want to go out and i want to do something to help this problem like what was that was there like a moment or was there kind of like a big thing that you said i want to be a change agent in making sure that this stops happening and we reverse the cycle with this right yeah so like I said, like I watch the roommates podcast all the time. I watch Stefan LeBose Yale all the time. Mm -hmm. So my is, is like, I think because of my upbringing and the way I grew up, it's like I'm very knowledgeable on this stuff also. So my thing is, is like I've always been great at giving advice to people and helping people, you know, seeing what everyone is doing and being able to uh, offer them advice, little tweaks here and there to be able to, you know, optimize whatever their goals is. So I was just like, what am I good at? You know, what am I knowledgeable, naturally knowledgeable? This is like natural for me. And it was this, it was a no brainer. And this is something like, honestly, you know, I could end up, you know, monetizing also, yeah. so, which is good also. So my thing is, is like, it, it comes natural for me. And, you know, and it stems from like you had mentioned earlier, it comes from trauma. And then also, you know, it's something that I'm passionate about. So it's a no brainer. I feel like if I was doing something else, then I, I wouldn't be as passionate about it. I wouldn't wake up and be able to do it, you know, without getting paid, you know? Yeah. So I, I do this without getting paid. So that's the thing. And it, it comes from, you know, my background. So I'd say it, it's natural. It comes from the background and also something that I'm passionate about. That's what made me like, really, all right, you can do this, push this content out. And I've always been good at giving advice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. I can definitely tell that too. And and you and I have had a lot of conversations about that where it's like we've gone into some very, I would say, interesting places where you've gone to a lot of things and just given very sage advice on a myriad of topics, which is which is awesome. Yeah. And so um I, I remember I remember having a conversation with uh shout out to I'm gonna shout out guys left and right with with Leo Esquivel about this because Leo is going the route of couples therapy. And he and I said well, the first thing I said, I'm like, you know, Leo, are you sure you want to do that? That's kind of a rough area of like going into all this kind of stuff because deal, like you said, dealing with kind of couples and families and relationships, it's it's very, it's it's very messy in a lot of ways. It's, I think it's very very messy in terms of how it, it all goes about. So, I would say, um, basically, what I, I'm trying to formulate my question because I do know where it comes from, but basically, um what do you feel like you can bring to somebody like, like what, what do you feel inside when a couple comes to you, for example, and they say, Jamel, we're in a, in a rough spot here. Uh, we need you to kind of help us out with, with something like this. How do you, is it talking from the perspective of someone who has gone through it that you feel is really valuable about what you do? Or is it kind of more of that advice giving, do you think that weighs more in terms of where everything is? Like, where do you feel that your value comes from in that context? Yeah, I'd say like, um, cause th there's a big difference between you know this counselors, you know this therapy, and then there's coaching. So mm -hmm. I'd say coaching is more strategies, more inspirational X and O's. Therapy is more healing. You know, they're healing. You know, they're 
deep-rooted problems going on that's preventing the relationship from flourishing. So if they want coaching and they want actual solutions, this is where I come in. See, I can't, oh, I, see. I am a consultant. I can't help everyone. So if they want the real work, the real healing work, they're going to have to go to marital counseling. They're, they're both going to have to get their own personal therapist. And I can help them with that also. But if they want actual strategies and an actual game plan and they need some advice and some inspiration on specific problems that they have, because that's my niche there. For mm -hmm. helping find out solutions and helping them come up, come up with a game plan that's going to help them with their goals. So if they want an actual game plan and strategies and solutions to their problems, this is where I come in. But yeah. if they want to heal from something, you know, and there's something real, like <laughs> there's some real issues going like on. Serious you know, stuff. Yeah. 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 They're going to go to counseling. You know, I, I can't heal what's going on in the brain. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I, I think that that's, I've never thought of it that way. And that's why I wanted to ask you the question. So I think that that's, that's really interesting. So it's more of a, you know, strategic element of everything and not just something that really, I would say, is talking about very deep, very painful stuff that you do, because what you and Leo do is both valuable, but what Leo, you and Leo both do is different in a lot of ways in terms of everything like that. And so that's very interesting. And so you view yourself as more of a coach, which again, leads into more of the life coaching element at the end of it. And so really, yeah. um, you know, where does the, the, is it kind of a blurred line then between your life coaching and the relationship consultant aspect of everything? Or is, is it kind of the life coaching is more broad while the relationship coaching is more specific in terms of those things? Um, I'd say the life coaching is definitely more broad, but okay. it's, it, it, it's, it's limited. I would say it's limited because like I said, a lot of people, when they come to you, like say like you was doing what I was doing when they come to you, you will quickly realize it's more than just, you know, they need more than just strategies. They need more than just these bullet points. Yeah. So that's, you know, sent out uh, my, um, what is it called? My EAPs, my EAPs. It's basically a referral to the therapist that I work with. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, it, it is broad when it comes to life coaching because you don't know what they're going to want. Sometimes they may, may need help with, when it comes to their confidence. Sometimes they mean, may need help when it comes to their fitness or Maybe it's something finance or maybe it's something spiritual or maybe they're just having a problem with just, you know, accepting themselves and also the, their identity. You know, what are finding out their gifts? You know, it's a, it's a lot of things. But my job is to try to make it simple because when it's a lot going on and it's really broad, we have to simplify it to, to figure out how can we really help this client? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So gotcha. that's beauty of my job so it, it is broad when it comes to life coaching but it's my job to make it simple i think that's a really really good description of what you do you just make things simple i think that's kind of what right. a lot of people are i think that's a lot of um you know that that's a very interesting description because i think that's a very good value proposition honestly because you know life is very complicated and very messy in a lot of other ways where a lot of people can kind of say that there are just, there's too many bullets flying at you to know which one you need to duck in and catch or whatever. And sometimes you need someone to just kind of take you by the shoulders and say, Hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go left. We're going to go right. We're going to go back. We're going to go this way. And so that's, I think a very, very valuable thing in a world that's kind of, you know, ever more defined by chaos and all the stuff that's going on yeah. in terms of a lot of other things. And so, however, what I also want to get your perspective on, cause I'm currently navigating this with, with my business is that both of these spaces, and you're not one of these people because I know you, but both of these spaces are flooded with a lot of people who do a lot of, let's just say, nefarious things in terms of ripping people off for their money or not delivering yeah. on what you say they're going to deliver or things like that. So 
Um, where is, so is that your value proposition when people, some people comes to you and you get the objection of say, like, I had this guy, I gave him this amount of money and he didn't do anything for me. Like, what is your, um, what is your thing that you go to, to establish trust with a potential client? Like, how do you go and say like, I'm on your side, I'm not going to take advantage of you and I'm not going to do this. Like what, what is your general, um, value prop or appeal to someone who is, you know, more or less a stranger coming to Jamel and saying that I need help with this, but I want to make sure that you actually have my best of interest in heart. First things first, uh, the consultations are free. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, there you go. There you go. There you go. That's so, hilarious. So, so they're yeah. free. And also, you know, they have to fill out a questionnaire before I even decide if they're going to be client or not. So I'm, I'm completely honest with them. You know, if they're not. A, so one thing about this is, you know, we can't coach everyone. So if they don't fit, you know, our specific, you know, mm -hmm. niche, then I, I got to be honest with you. I got to be completely honest. And one thing about coaching is I say the difference between consultant and coaching is when you're a consultant, you're giving advice. When you're coaching, you're helping them come up with a game plan for themselves that they can follow. Right. So I'm them a game plan. I'm helping them come up with a game plan that they can follow. It's a game plan that they made themselves because when someone else gives you the game plan, you know, you can do it, but you're more reluctant to do it. It's not something that you created. You have ownership it's in it. But when you have made it and I help you make your own plan, they're more willing to do it. So that's my way of building the trust. To actually, I'm actually helping them. I'm playing them. I'm playing in their favor when it comes to things like that. And also, I'm not going to charge them unless we're doing, you know, multiple, you know, consultations. Yeah. And to your point about playing it simple, the good thing about what you said, I, I, I have a tendency of overcomplicating things if you can't tell. And you're like, I just, I have this fancy thing and you're like, you know, I just, I do the first one for free. And so that was, that was really funny. But um, yeah. so, so I want to touch more on your content creation and the things you have going on there, because this is a niche that I am getting into as well. And you, you're kind enough to follow me on, on socials and, and, and like my stuff and say, you're doing a good job and everything like that, which I really appreciate because like you said, yeah. your stuff, you've been at it for a while. You said for almost a year, you've been really going at this pretty hard, especially since you've moved into Dallas and are now getting it more. You have, I would say, access to a lot of guys who are doing the same thing or wanting to do the same thing, whether it's, you know, Andre or Francis or Sophia or any of these guys up in Dallas who are wanting to really kind of take everything else. You just went up to Anna with Ananias birthday um, the other day. And so she, she does a lot yeah. of stuff too. And so, um, what do you like to focus on when you create content? And so, like you said, yours does really well and you have a, a lot of interest inside of it. Your, your TikTok likes are really big and you have a lot of followers. And so what do you want your audience to know about you when you're putting out a piece of material? Like, what do you want to communicate to the people who see your stuff that uh, makes something about you known? Yeah, you're, you're getting valuable. Every single time you see me on a screen, you know, you're going to get valuable information. You know, it's uh, like I've, I'm going to work on, you know, I do want to get my content a little bit better, but I want the base of my content to be what you're getting here is valuable. You know, it's always going to be about the information. I'm not here to, you know, really, I'm going to get better at it, but I'm not really entertaining with my content. It's, I'm here to solve a problem. Yeah. I, I don't know if you noticed that, but, you know, every single time I'm on the screen, there's a problem that I highlight and here's how to fix it. <laughs> so, yeah. like, yeah. It's always about the information for me and it's always about problem solving. And I just want people who watch it to leave with, okay, I was able to get something from this. Yeah. So I'm becoming a little bit more entertaining though, but I just got to figure out how to, you know, not, you know, 
lose myself when it comes to being entertaining. Yeah, and, and I think that's yeah, and you and you don't want to become a character. I think that's the biggest thing. Like right. you don't want to become like this this person like online who's like almost like trapped by this persona of who they are or who they want to be perceived as or, or something like that. And I think that that's that's very very critical because I think in a lot of ways there are people who do kind of revert to that and you and we can kind of smell those people out or whatever. But the good thing with you is that you do have a really solid base of information and your content really, really gives out a lot of game and a lot of gems to a lot of people. And also underneath that, that's where your natural personality shines. Like you smile and you can be funny and you can be empathetic and you have emotions and you can do all these things. And so you, you fall to the level of your personality in a lot of ways. And when you have the intelligence factor, which you do on top of it, you have the information in terms of the content, but then you have the personality under the content, which is Jim Alfonso Holmes. Then you can kind of, that's, I think, really the, the two standards that you need to really start building a brand about yourself in a lot of ways. And so once those two things are there, that base is only going to scale. And I think from that angle, I think there's a lot of things that you can work with there, which is really, really awesome. Right, right. And it's also going to be the the right base because uh, there's people yeah. who could build following, you know, based on, you know, like you mentioned, uh, being a character, but the, the character is not really them. And they're bringing a whole bunch of people that doesn't really align with who they really are. Mm -hmm. So base builds for me, it's going to be people who genuinely believe in me and also what I do and who else who also align with me because mm -hmm. not everyone is in relationship problems you know so some people you know that they don't really need my content and, it, and it's fun it's cool yeah. not everyone in marriage so they're gonna be like oh let me skip this guy and, yeah and, you know yeah it's, it's, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you have a niche and you have people that want you want to attract to that but like you can't be all things to all people and I think that's it, where it's a good way to get like really nowhere as a content creator if you want to serve everybody because hardly anyone right. can serve everybody. And I remember I I talked to speaking of um I'm named named up someone else so, so Ananiah shout out to Ananiah. I was talking to her about this in the podcast a couple of weeks ago when because she works for Tony Robbins obviously and even even Tony Robbins who's like maybe the biggest health self help guy like ever in so many different ways. Even right. he doesn't talk to everybody. Like he talks to a specific group of people who are doing a very specific group of things and who like the style of what Tony Robbins is going to do. One of them being our friend Ananiah. And so it's not a disservice if you're cutting people out of your community, if you're doing it with empathy and wanting to genuinely help and serve other people, which I think is really interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. My brother, you hit it right on the nail. And well, well I, I, thanks, man. I, I try my best. And I got one more thing before we get to our, our last our last question I ask every guest. So one more on the content creation piece. So there is also, we mentioned this a bit earlier too, there's kind of like this toxic soup of people and, you, and you're going into all of like the minefield type industries here, like the, like the relationship internet content space, the men's internet content space, especially there's a lot of like not very good stuff there for a lot of people, whether that's like red pill stuff, incel stuff, whatever you want to call it. And so yeah. you you are staying very undeterred about this. In fact, you've mentioned that you're doubling down on making your content now for a lot of other people. So why are you so like why why are you able to have that resolve inside of your head to say that you know this is kind of a very demoralizing industry in a lot of ways. There's not a lot of people who want to see me do well potentially. There's a lot of people that are not agreeing with me and saying what I say. So what would you so maybe two questions here. So one, why are you so, you know, committed to doing this even in the face of tremendous adversity? And then on the second question, 
what would you like to be in an ideal world if your content really does take off and really start and you start to become more of a household name? Like where would that desired end state for you want to be in the internet space in terms of your content? Um, I say like for for the the first part of the question, um, it, it it's valid what you actually ask, and um, sometimes I do like to, if I'm going to be vulnerable here. Some sometimes I do question like, all right, maybe some people might not agree, you know, with everything I'm saying. Maybe you know some people might feel like what I'm saying might be pandering or whatever and stuff like that. But it's just like to those people, it, it, it's only it might be two to three people maybe four people, but mm-hmm. the flip side of it, I got a hundred other people who's saying, yo, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. So sure. like the same thing I would tell someone else who's in that position is, yo, bro, focus on the people who's, you know, saying, keep going, focus on those people, you know, drop the content for those people. And for those two to three people, it, it's cool. I can't do nothing for you. It's fine. My brother, I still love, you. <laughs> I still yeah. love you. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's all love. So, and, for the for the second part of the question, like I'd say, like I and I'm gonna be completely honest. So I was just being a little bit transparent and being a little bit wrong. I'm gonna be completely honest. You know, I do want to eventually, you know, start monetizing this. Oh, I yeah. do want to do see myself, you know, making a profit off of it. But it's it's not to where I'm trying to be a millionaire. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I would only like to get paid for my time. So I do consultations, mm-hmm. but everything else will be free. My videos will be free. You know, if you want a book, I will send it out to you free when, when I eventually write my book. Mm-hmm. So everything else that's going to be free. But when it comes to my time, my consultations, because I know there's a lot of people who's probably going to want to see me, who's going to want to speak to me, who's going to want advice. That's the only thing I'm going to have to charge for because yeah. I don't got, <laughs> we, we don't have all the time in the world, especially, you know, when you're booked up and you're busy and, and I still work a job also. Yeah. I think, I think that's awesome, man. And I think it's, it's really, I think the one thing that really is, is stuck out to me about this is like, you're very, you're very 10 toes down into who you are. You're very stable into your values, into what you say, and you're very honest and vulnerable and you, you you don't have anything to hide, which is really awesome. And I think that that's really, really rare. And so I want to commend you on that first and foremost before we get to the, the last question. And so the last question is something that I ask every single guest that comes on the show. And, you know, this is kind of, you know, in the namesake of this podcast. So what do you value the most and why? I value God. I value my family and I value my community. And why without them, I don't know where I would be. You understand? And God gave me a mission to serve, serve him, serve my family, serve the community. And that's also what fulfills me the most. So mm-hmm. that's where my value comes in. You know, my gift is to serve, serve others. You know, um, I, I give, you know, for clients who book me, I give them, you know, the gift test. There is a gift test. If you want it, I can send it over to you. Sure. But I already knew <laughs> when I took it, I already knew what my gift was. My gift was to serve, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the homeless guy on the street, you know, giving him food and stuff like that. It's just, you know, that's I realized, you know, that's maybe I might have other gifts. But that's the main gift right there. So and so my value comes within God, Allah, my family, and also my community, my brothers, my brothers like you, my brother. So, yeah. well, man, I mean, thank you so much, Jamel. I, this was a ton of fun, man. I, I really appreciated you have, having you on. And I just know that everything is going to be taking off just as it should. And I'm glad that it is. So before we get out of here, please 
take some time to plug all of your socials and I will attach everything in the, in the podcast uh, description, in the blog description as well. All that'll be linked. But if you want to, if people want to find you, where can they find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram. That's the one I'm the most active on. Um, it's Jamel P Holmes. Uh, you can find me on TikTok. Uh, same handle, Jamel P Holmes. Also, my YouTube is Jamel Fonzo Holmes. That's J A M E L P H O N S O. Someone is calling me. Why is he now? My bad. I told him not to call me. Um, last name H O M E. So J A M E L P H O N S O H O L M E S. Jamel Fonzo Holmes. I told this guy not to call me. No. <laughs> You're fine. It happens. You're fine on an iPhone. It, it, it happens, dude. I, I, I no, worries, no worries at all. So, uh, Jamel, man, thank you. This was such a blessing, man. Thank you so much for coming on. And, and I'll, I'll let you get to your call in a second and get, and hit that guy back. But uh, I want to say thank you, man. Thank you for for being a friend. Thank you for gracing my platform today. And thank you for just being such, I would say, a, a positive person, a really good influence on a lot of people, me especially, our guys especially. And um, I will be up in Dallas sooner than you know it, man. And we will get to talking soon personally or, or in person soon, hopefully. Absolutely, brother. Um, yo, you coming to the social, bro? So uh, they're trying to convince me to, but I'm in fight camp right now, so I don't know if I can make it. But I okay. might, I might try to swing by. So we'll see. I literally just got a text from Lafiz about it this morning, so I'll try yeah, to come bro. up. I'll try to come up if I can. Yeah, bro. All love. Even if you don't come to the social, you know I'm gonna make sure to tap in with you, bro. You're my you. brother. Gotta stay connected with you, man. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it, Jamel. And for everyone watching, listening, or otherwise, this is the Value Economics Podcast. On the day, open your mind, and thanks for listening, everybody.